everybody. Today's guest is Maya Sina Kalos. She is a historian and classicist at the University of Helsinki in Finland. Her research interests broadly include late Roman history, particularly the 4th and 5th century CE, the religions in the Roman Empire, Christianization of the Empire, and Roman everyday life. I specifically brought her on the podcast to talk about Christianization in late antiquity. This is a subject that I am particularly very interested in, and I wanted her to come on the podcast because her work was very influential in my own understanding of the topic. I hope you enjoy this interview. All right, Magistina, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. How are you doing? I'm fine, and thanks for inviting me. Of course. Um, your work has been uh, very influential and informative for me, understanding late antiquity. I think um, uh, you are probably, in my opinion, the best voice in late antiquity at the moment. I have to say that you gave uh, so much clarity to me. When I was finishing my master's degree and I was doing an independent study, I did a my own independent study on late antiquity. And your work really helped me understand the polemics in, between the, the pagans and the Christians. And uh, it really brought clarity. And I really wanted to bring you onto the podcast to talk about uh, these conversations uh, concerning Christianization, Christian polemics, and to help um, uh, help the wider uh, general audience who are interested in this conversation to learn more and in particular, we're going to be talking about debate and dialogue, Christian and pagan cultures, 360 to 430. And um, so thank you for being here. And I just want to start off with what brought you to this field? Like what inspired you to to study this this time period? Okay, first, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. It's it's really great to, to be here and exciting. And um to your question, uh, what brought me to to this topic, and uh, well, it was uh, my enthusiasm for late antiquity, and of course that goes uh, to the books of Peter Brown, Alan Cameron, Avril Cameron, Wolfgang Liebeschutz, and so on. So in general, real enthusiasm for late antiquity. I'm still doing that <laughs> all the time, and. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so I did my doctoral uh, dissertation, doctoral thesis on uh, Vettius Agorius Prefectatus, a Roman senator in, in the end of the fourth century. And uh, uh, he was, he, he's called one of the last pagans. Okay, he wasn't the last pagan, but um, anyway, he was a very intriguing personality and uh, the whole time period is so exciting so i decided to delve into into that period more and more and to those to this uh, um the relations between christians and the so-called pagans awesome and in your book you you created this concept uh called uh in inserti uh how, how do you pronounce it inserti yeah, well, it, it depends on uh, if you if you pronounce it in the classical Latin, it's incerti. Okay. Uh, but then, if it's a later Latin, it's incerti. Incerti, incerti. Okay, yeah. cool. Now, can you explain this concept and how it relates to the di the dichotomy between uh, these uh, Christian and pagan labels? 
Okay. Um, well, let's uh, first talk about this dichotomy. Uh, um, there is this dichotomy, um, Christians versus non-Christians, uh, which is really prevailing in the late ancient uh, Christian literature. And uh, so that's prevalent there. And because it has been prevalent in the Christian literature, it has uh, come to the uh, modern research. So the whole modern history of ancient Christianity and polytheism has operated with this dichotomy. And uh, for me, uh, as a researcher of late Roman world, I think that everything, uh, the social history, social realities were much more complex than this uh, this dichotomy. And to show this, uh, the impossibility of this strict dichotomy, Christians, non-Christians, I wanted to develop a new concept, this inkerti. And uh, this inkerti, um, that uh, literally that means the uncertain, the, uh, inkertus is uncertain, and then it's a plural inkerti is the uncertain people, for instance, or uncertain, uncertain, unclassifiable, uh, indefinable individ individuals or objects or texts or so on. So I wanted to show um, that there is a gray area between uh, clear Christians or clear Christianity and clear polytheism or clear pagan paganism. And uh, so because this dichotomy, this uh, Christians, non-Christians, uh, comes from the Christian literature, it's, it's clear that uh, there are uh, in between, there are people who just don't fit into this category or, or to this uh, dichotomy that that this Christian opinion leaders had built in late antiquity. So I started to play with this uh, uh, this concept of inkerti, and uh, yeah, um, prehistory of this this concept is that um, because I've done also Latin epigraphy. Latin inscriptions. Uh, in in the, the, if there are inscriptions that you can't classify in somehow, you just put the mark yeah. in there. So yeah. yeah, so something that you can't put into some category is in Kertus. So I decided, okay, this is this is maybe a helpful concept. An example use. of that, I think, uh, yeah. to the audience, an example of that is, I think, um, some. Uh, catacombs where there's iconography in these catacombs, I believe, where it's there's you'll see Christian and polytheistic imagery, you know, uh, traditional Greco-Roman imagery, and they're all together. Like there might be a cross, and you might see a figure that you know is this Jesus? Is it you know is it a polytheistic god? We don't know. Is is this what you're referring to? Well, yes, that, that that that's also something that I have also also discussed. But anyway, uh, I mean, because they this the they can be images uh, that just don't fit into the category yeah. of we cannot just classify, and people or texts. There are a lot of texts yeah. that have uh, that modern researchers have 
really, really be like obsessed to classify this mm -hmm. must be Christian or this must be non-Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not always so necessary to do. Yeah, I agree. There's yeah. more gray areas. And that's why I like about your, your work in, in this book is that you explore the gray area, you know, and because when we talk about Christianization um, today, I when you go online and you you see people who, you know, have who are pagan, who identifies pagan. Uh, I am a polytheist myself, and I see the discourse out there when people, they talk about Christianization. And, you know, today we have clear identities, clear boundaries of understanding who we are. But back then, you know, um, it is blurry. And how do you, how do we um, really approach the subject of the Christians and the pagans? And how did Christianity win, so to speak? And I think exploring the gray areas is a very helpful approach because it kind of shows you um, um, the overlooked area, correct? Do you think that things that are overlooked yeah, yeah, that might yeah, explain yeah, Christianization, yeah. that slow move to something new? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a truism that, of course, our modern thinking is really, <laughs> really there behind, behind um, yeah. um influencing our views because uh, well we have uh, uh, the world has gone through uh, christianity has gone through like reformation period and so on so uh, and and whatever so we, we are really modern people and then then we are like putting our categorizations there and uh, we are stuck to those and obsessed to to this classification yeah. yes. okay of course that's that's a very human thing to classify yeah, I think. of course yeah and so the late late antique people did that too and if i'm yeah when i'm uh, talking about these christian opinion leaders bishops and uh, so on uh they of course wanted to classify also the world but uh by uh but that they also did that for polemical ends because yes. they had they had some ideas about what their Christianity is and what they think proper Christians should be. And yeah. then they were also um, like introducing that to. Yeah. To... So the, the Christians were trying to, in their own process of defining their own identity, they created the label of Paganos. Pagan yes. in order yes. to yes. in order to say well this is what christian is because if it's not this then it's that thing and so yeah. can, yeah. can we do you have any examples you might be able to share of christian opinion leaders doing that how how did they navigate navigate the gray areas and try to set the boundaries of what is christian and what is pagan in their eyes yes i could i could take um um of course, there are very, very uh, well-known examples like Augustine of Hippo uh, and Ambrose of Milan, who were really, really influential. Uh, but then uh, there are, of course, less-known bishops who in their areas were like uh, in, in their sermons and letters and all that. They were like uh, advising their flocks uh, what to do and uh, how to be a good Christian. And I, I could take one example from uh, Bishop of Verona in northern Italy, Zeno, uh, in the end of the uh, 4th century, who who described, uh, he complained about 
vague and deceitful Christians. And he, he says they are really am, ambiguous, like two-minded Christians and uh, deceitful. And uh, he says that uh, among the pious and the impious, so the, like good Christians and then the pagans, these uh, ambiguous Christians, they are like in the middle and they take neither part completely. So they think he thinks that uh, that uh, proper Christians are here and then, then these impious pagans are there. And then he thinks that these ambiguous Christians are they in the middle, but somehow they are like, they are neither Christians, they are like neither pagans, but at the same time they are Christians and then they are pagans. So yeah. this is really something. Um... Yeah, so these these might be, these might be people who are going to church to hear a sermon, but then also going to a temple or maybe at home, the religion is probably more mixed in the house where they have, you know, maybe... Uh, on the home altar, for example, they might have statues of Hercules and, and Jesus or something, or they have a cross there, but they also have, you know, uh, Athena, for example, like that sort of like mixing at home, right? Yeah, yeah. And yes, and having like a having a domestic cult, maybe they like in, in Roman cult, they would have a altar for the for the lares, mm -hmm. the home gods. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so which would would be like really a common self-evident thing to have. And then if there would be uh, if there would be uh, farmers, they would uh, go to the fields and have uh, several uh, kinds of rituals for safe um, safeguarding the the harvest. Yeah. And, yeah. So and making making uh, yeah. practices there, and then. Uh, in the villages and in the cities, um, they would take part in several kinds of yeah. uh, parties, celebrations, uh, annual celebrations, celebrations for the harvest, for the and so on, for different uh, uh, for different reasons. Yeah, yeah that, and that even still that it happens today. It, it's amazing when you when you look at that in late antiquity, that transition. But then you look at today. Mm -hmm. And you look at traditions in the Mediterranean, like they still do these things. It's really interesting. Like, for example, the harvest, I, my yeah. friend from Italy, he tells me about uh, where his family's from. For example, they take out the statue of the saint and, and parade her through the fields. And I'm just like, that's the same thing as what someone would have done in the ancient world with, you know, if it was a statue of Demeter, for example, and like, or something and parade around the fields and, yes. and, and good for, for, for a harvest. So I guess, you know, on the local level, the, the people uh, have a different view of things than, for example, opinion leaders like um, Chris, John Chrysostom or uh, yeah, Augustine, yeah. for example. Do you have any other examples like this, perhaps, you, you can share? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I could mention here because there was a midsummer festival in Finland just oh, yeah? <laughs> a week ago. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I mean, um, I mean, People can really, really ask whether this is a Christian festival at all. Okay, there's the John Baptist and so on. But ah, mm -hmm. uh, well, <laughs> if you think of Finland, it, we can call it really pagan thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a celebration for the summer. So many of the celebrations uh, were for the let's say for the annual cycle, which is yeah. really universal, of course. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and so important, and even uh, 
in antiquity even more important. I mean, in all the rural societies, uh, that's that's really important. Yeah, like when we talk about Christianization, you know, people. Uh, I think they they wonder, oh, how did these things linger? It's like, well, you can't, you can't, you have an entire, this whole large geographic region. Do you expect people to go in and try to police people so locally? That's really unmanageable if you think about it. Um, but it, when it comes to legislation now, you know, there's yeah. a lot of legislations that were passed and I know people will point to those, uh, you know, the, the uh, Justidian codes or the Theodosian codes where, you know, it's very explicitly where it says, you know, the the Greek error or the Greek, you know, the Greek problem, you know, the 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 temples need to be closed. And if people don't obey this, they, they should be put to death. Like there's these very explicit things in these codes that, you know, that are very polemical. How do we how do we understand that? How do we look at that and say, well, that's look at that, for example, that's something that's very aggressively attacking, quote unquote, the pagans. How yeah, effective yeah. were those laws? Uh, oh yeah, oh, it's a huge topic. Uh, um, yeah, if I can advertise here in in my recent book, Religious Descent, which came mm -hmm. two three years ago. Yes, yes, um, I have that on the shelf too. Yeah, yeah. So there, I discussed that a lot. I mean, the, okay. how efficient uh, the laws were, and what was the purpose of the imperial legislation, and so on, and. Uh, one thing is important to uh, mention is that uh, they are manifestations. So they are like moral proclamations uh, that the emperor or the imperial court or the administration makes it known that they have really thought of this thing. And uh, now they are like showing uh, how things should be and that the emperor really cares about so on and so on and really replies to the christian demands and so on so that's one thing um so it's a really like a um like a moral moral, a moral proclamation yeah. more than uh, than a practical thing okay and yeah and then um these laws also uh, or the, the imperial court administration also replies to several lobbyists so they are like many of these laws are situational in that sense that they react they are reactive they react to certain situations that some uh some like we know actually from other sources that uh for instance in north africa in the in the time of augustine uh bishops really lobbied the imperial court mm -hmm. and asked for for uh, harsher measures or harsher legislation and so that was some kind of some power play that mm -hmm. bishops there and then uh imperial court replies somehow and just manage with the situation and yes yeah. yeah, so so yeah. they are situational things yes and, and very I regional in regional yes okay yes. so regional and and so that also brings into i think the 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 issue of how does one really carry out and execute these proclamations for example like i think today people when they hear when they hear a decree by the emperor they they equate it to more like oh well if the president issued an executive order it must be followed like there's this more like today we have strong systems where orders and 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 laws that get passed they get put into place and are are um 
effectively regulated and implemented. And so yes. in the in the ancient world, did it operate like that with the emperor and his decrees? Like how did how did the decrees get implemented effectively yeah. and practically? Was it like people yeah. just tried to, oh, the emperor said this, but whatever, I'm I'm uh you know so far away from Constantinople right now, who's gonna bother me? I'm not gonna bother with this. Is it like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, one can say. And you say as you said that in and that now we have this kind of uh, admin and legislation and implementation. Of course, uh well it's a very modern thing and it of course it doesn't happen in every modern country. Yeah. So yeah. So uh well, yeah. Uh the implementation, yeah, I mean at the regional level, it depended on uh, of course uh how did this uh first the inf information of the law how did it come to the particular province or region uh, then how about the regional uh, administration there the, the local governor if uh, he was interested in implementing that and then whether he had uh, uh, any any um, power to do that and uh, personal and so on and surveillance and yeah so it okay. really depended on the structures and hmm. uh, yeah we can we can be really skeptical skeptical about yeah. that and yeah. i guess this what this is what contributes to the long process of christianization because yeah. the as far as i understand you know the emperor didn't outlaw quote unquote paganism so like there's no law saying identifying a religion because yes. there was no yeah. religion to to identify correct yes yeah 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 yes I, yes that's true that's very true because if if uh, if an emperor would say that okay that the pagans there well who are the pagans uh and that's why we have uh, um some laws where practices are um uh, listed and uh, like you you shouldn't do libations there and you shouldn't uh burn incense and so they are really like right listed they're, and they're, they're pointing they're pointing to certain practices like yes exactly. qualities of, that they yeah. want to get rid of so this is yeah. the, there was no religion there was it's like well i can't just say i'm banning polytheism that wasn't a religion so they're like yeah. oh, what? Yes. oh well they're burning the incense they're doing the sacrifices they're doing these like things that i can see that you're doing so we can target those things exactly ah, exactly and and yeah and when we are thinking about this uh, um, modern scholarly discussion of christianization it's sometimes really problematic uh, uh because um, i mean when when uh, when it is discussed that paganism indeed well what paganism i mean because uh, as a modern perceivers uh, they uh, they somehow um suppose that there was some unity that there was some some unified entity like that there was paganism or polytheism or so that it's one uh, and the same, uh, actually, the same applies with Christianity. Modern scholars often suppose or think that there is one Christianity. So, so we, we researchers, unfortunately, tend to think in these unities, and yeah, yeah and and that's why I, now I try to look at the 
regional differences and stress this uh, that there is there was there was no unified Christianity. There yeah. were local Christianities. Yeah. Okay, and then the, her, the quote unquote the heretics. Yeah, and so on. And yeah, yeah. 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 And so the the rhetoric now let's uh how did christians try to persuade people with with rhetoric um well bishops uh who made their sermons they really uh i mean if well of course ev not everyone was a real rhetorician but they were really well trained uh in, in in rhetoric and in speaking and uh, in persuasion people and if we think of like Augustine he he mm. was a, a professional rhetorician before he came bishop mm. so so they really knew knew uh the the <laughs> how the the work uh, yes. and they were really talented and in that sense uh and they have been so persuasive that they really mm -hmm. <laughs> have persuaded or also modern researchers in many ways. Okay. And uh, so if we think of uh, the rhetoric, uh, rhetoric is like not, not um, describing reality. It's also, they are like in their speeches and in their sermons, they are like shaping also the reality in that sense that they are telling this kind of Christians uh, are good and this kind of uh, Christians are bad. And so they are really like forming, forming Christianity in their speeches and in their sermoning and letters and theological uh, tractates and so on. Yeah. Now, the question someone asked me, I saw online one time was, how were the Christians able to convince people to give up their ancestral religions and i'm like that's a really good question like how yeah. how did somebody so we're like we're imagine us we're in the late antique world it's probably like the fourth century let's say and you know there's this new there's this religion out there they have good arguments but like oh i come from you know um, i'm a roman and i my family's been you know we've been doing this for so long you know and you have the role of the i have mm. the the, the father of the household, for example, right? Doesn't the father of the yeah. household have a very important role in the religion? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the how they how the Romans understood their religion in terms of, like, ancestors and tradition and, like, what the, what the forefathers did, this whole idea of Roman religion. How do you get someone like that to be like, oh, yeah, that's all wrong? <laughs> like, I'm going to go with this new thing. Like, what is, what's going on there? Is there, is there a conversation really being had that, um, kind of ties in the old to the new mm. well yeah i mean um i think it's well matter of economy after all mm. i mean of course then you're this christian bishop wherever region he is he must of course convince this uh great landowner mm -hmm. to to come to his side to the christian side but uh, for the tenants, uh, it's probably very much of a um, matter of economy and matter of this uh, the power of the landowner. Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, yes, because the landowner had power over the tenants and their religion, yeah. right? Yes, oh. yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So there's actually a lot of uh, uh, the bishops were really interesting, interested 
in persuading these landowners. So we have a lot mm. of uh, sermons concerning uh, things that are happening in the in the estates of the landowners. One example would be uh, Maximus of Turin in northern Italy again um, uh, in the uh, early fifth century. Uh, he 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 gives or we have several sermons left um, extant uh, in his corpus that uh, where he really really uh, eagerly uh, appeals to the landowners that that you should not let your tenants uh, make sacrifices and uh, there on on your estates and you should not uh, let them go there and yeah that and celebrate this and that uh and then um like saying that if you i mean it's the whole thing will be polluted and, and yeah even if you don't do it yourself this landowner you will be polluted and if you uh -huh. just yeah if you just allow that it's all polluted uh -huh. so they they are really really eager to to have uh, Per se, these landowners. I mean, because when you get the landowner, then you get yes. all the people underneath yes. the landowner, yes. and then you can coerce, uh, co coercion uh, to force it on other people. It reminds me here in the United States there was a there was an incident with an employer. I forgot what state it was in, but this employer would have uh, regular like prayer meetings for the staff. He he would have he would force the staff to join in for like some religious activity in the company and one oh. of the women there didn't want to do it and they eventually fired her fired her and she had to do a lawsuit so it's like that i feel like that's a modern parallel like you oh, know yeah, you have yeah, yeah. for example like you have the you're in an environment where there is power that's forcing you to comply to something and if you don't comply you can you know lose your you lose your job in the ancient world like what would happen if the tenant didn't comply with the landowner could what could the landowner do in in uh, retaliation? Yeah, I mean there there would be no lawsuits. I mean yeah. the tenant wouldn't have any uh, that kind of rights in the modern world. Could the landowner uh, kick them off the land? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or oh, yeah. and 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 then uh, if you think of the these these uh, appeals to the landowners, the landowner could just uh, destroy. The shrines there mm. on his or her estates, and 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 these bishops also apply. I mean, appeal that they should do that as well. Oh wow! So, so I mean, yeah. But then I'm thinking this all sounds so harsh, and uh, yeah. And uh, then um, because that's of course there are the appeals we don't and we don't know how many of these landowners really did this and yeah. uh, the evidence maybe is not really there right care because we have of course we have uh, um, repeated uh, appeals to do that and of course i'm thinking of this legislation uh, we have <laughs> repeated laws yeah so if it, the uh, emperors keep sending out these these laws yes, on the same yes. issue so yeah it seems yeah. like it seems like it's not really being implemented or you know it's just it's yeah. something so hard it's like it's trying to catch sand in your hand it's very hard yeah. to like you know yeah. the sand just you know it slips out it's gonna slip out so it's very hard to legislate you know um polytheistic cultic activity 
because it's yeah. so it's so hard to yeah. define or or to yeah. control the the various regions interesting um I'm just looking at some of the questions I have here. I know I'm not really hitting on all of them because we're having yeah, like a, yeah. a really nice flowing conversation. Yes, so, yes and, exactly. and, I, yeah. and things come to my mind. I go, I'm like, oh, let's yeah. talk, let's go here. But let's let's see some of these questions I have here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I was I was also thinking of uh, um, this uh, that it that oh, I mean, all the sources. This this rhetoric is really harsh, and I, I think. Uh, one should be really, I mean, the researcher should be really careful not to, um, to somehow to, to take that as given, uh, that we should really think, uh, that there were different possibilities and, uh, and, uh, and, and writing this religious dissent, which is about all, about polytheists, but also people who were labeled as heretics. And uh, then I look, try to look at, at the everyday life situations and everyday life uh, reactions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, I think there's, there's so much um, in, when I'm thinking of uh, this uh, ten, tenants and uh, urban dwellers and uh, despite all this uh, pressure coming from the landowners, pressure mm -hmm. coming from the bishop, pressure coming from the emperors and so on, despite all this pressure and this, um, all this forbidding and so on, and uh, economic pressure and so on, despite all this, there's, um, there's huge creativity there in the people's reactions. I mean, uh, if they can't do this and that, and if if it's if the like the space is somehow diminished, uh, okay, they go underground. They do their things underground, okay, or then they just um, do it in different way. And then we come to this uh, this uh, matter of uh, which is also very much in discussed discussed in research syncretism. Yeah, and I don't know if the syncretism is a good word. But yeah, I th I think uh, the, yeah. the I think the new term they're moving to is uh, hybrid hybridization. Uh, yeah. 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 Hybridization. What's the di uh, what, what would you say the difference is between syncretism and hybrid hybridization? I don't I don't know because okay. I'm, I'm I'm skeptical with the word with the both words because okay maybe hybridization maybe gets more what I think what happened uh, uh, because. Syncretism mean maybe implies that there is um, there are traditions that are somehow separate. Like okay, here we have this polytheism yeah. this entity, the, and the, then the we have here this Christianity and, this entity, yeah. and then they just get syncretized. Yeah. So yeah. so that's that's why I don't like the word. Maybe hybrid hybridization gets more this feeling that they are not like uh, somehow separate entities. There's, mm -hmm. There has been um, um, creative, lively cross-pollination, whatever, well, well um, living together mm -hmm. in, in communities. And uh, so that's why, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why uh, maybe hybridization would be better than, uh, 
other uh, maybe other like popular popular Christianity is one thing then third paganism is one thing okay yeah. I mean um, yeah so yeah would you think it's the idea so going back to like the that the question someone asked me why would people give up their their ancestral religion and I mm. I, I kind of want to respond to that and just say well maybe the people didn't really see it as something so foreign and alien then mm. you know, of course yeah. gonna, there's going to be people on the intellectual level like the the intelligentsia of of like let's say the neoplatonists you have Celsus yeah you got yeah people who, who absolutely abhor Christianity yeah. but they they, yeah. they don't like yeah. it they think it's you know they have it's not true re religio it's you know it's, it's superstition they call they called the Christians athei you know the the you know you know atheists and so there's going to be people who don't accept it but you know on the maybe on the low middle yes. on the not the non intelligentsia the common people politicians farmers merchants everyone else you know, maybe to them, they looked at it and said, this isn't all that different than what I'm doing, like, or what I see around me, what what makes that different? Do you think that's a fair assessment? Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a very good point. Because, uh, yeah, because like, if we think of, uh, like, the right ancient writers, like Augustine, Jerome, uh, Julian, um, Celsus, Celsus, mm -hmm. uh, and and so on. They 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 are really. I mean, and and Athanasius and um, Cyril of Alexandria. They really they they are really harsh, and they make really much noise about this 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 purity and uh, so on and this separateness. And then, uh, as as you said, maybe the low levels people were not feeling the same thing maybe they were really thinking okay these things we are we are doing these annual annual cycle things and we have these practices and everything goes yeah. well and, yeah and and yeah. so on so they didn't necessarily uh feel that any any way problematic yeah but especially then, in the beginning right before yes. before there's any orthodoxy where the, yeah. there's a lot of there's lots of different types of christianity and in the same way, for example, Isis from Egypt, you know, got exported and became a Greco-Roman goddess, for example, that you can yeah. find in Greece and Rome and all over, you know, outside of Egypt. Same thing with the Christian religion. It, you know, it, it, it got exported from the Near East and went across Rome. And like, why, you know, to them, why would they see any, any real difference? So then you have, I, I'm piecing everything together, you have this export of, of this cult it goes across people adopt it it's yes. existing alongside their their established you know traditions and cults and everything else you have that in kerti the the uncertain people that are mixed into it but then eventually the christian opinion leaders you know and and conjunction with the legal authorities are able to then start making the boundaries firmer and firmer and clearer and then people kind of get trapped in right and so to speak yes. Yeah, and um, I mean, and then uh, uh, because these uh, Christian opinion leaders who get this influence and they get maybe more powerful, uh, they insist that people take sides. I mean, uh, yeah, that they <clears throat> they have to react somehow and take sides. Uh, they can't just uh, hang around. So it, it it is insisted, and and the yeah. same <clears throat> same uh, thing we see happening uh, in the case of uh, 
orthodoxy and heterodoxy and so like <clears throat> you have to take sides on which side you are on which bishop's side you are yeah it's usually like a like the bishop there who has who knows what would be the right doctrine so take sides yeah gotcha and then um julian now we got julian he's an interesting figure you know i used to kind of like julian but then i kind of looked closer and then reading your work i'm like oh julian really messed things up like he he spooked everyone really if you think about it he really scared the christians do you mm. think yes. I, I remember yeah. I, yeah yeah um yes um i mean uh i'm thinking that um that julian uh he was raised as a christian and uh, maybe to this mindset and uh, maybe he'd had this personality and of course uh he had a pretty um harsh uh life yeah before well, when your whole family to... gets killed you know yeah, by... yeah, exactly. yeah, that's that's tra traumatizing yeah that must be really traumatizing and and of course we we know <laughs> about his life because he has written and uh, we have sources and so on so we don't know how much what happened to other people uh other individuals who have got somehow a little bit uh uh, more rigoristic uh yeah. and uh, yeah maybe some kind of fundamental fundamentalists so yeah um yeah so so i'm 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 thinking that because he was raised as a christian he got this uh, my certain mindset uh and i think that one uh, one sign of this christian mindset is this um this um strange uh um eagerness uh, for the sacrifices yeah, yeah. yes uh, uh because i think that um that's coming from the christian literature uh christian writers uh when they polemize really polemize uh polytheists they they always uh, get into the animal sacrifice mm -hmm. which not was not necessarily that um crucial uh in in late antiquity so the christian writers were really obsessed with blood sacrifices or animal sacrifices uh -huh. and they really really linger to that and uh, uh to this so did the christians create the image of yeah. julian being obsessed with animal sacrifice or is julian actually uh, uh in his own words telling yeah, us well, he's into he's, it uh, yeah, that he's he's interested in animal sacrifices. Okay. Uh, we have, of course, um, uh, the mention of Ammianus Marcellinus, mm. uh, the, the Roman historian who 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 really uh, admires Julian. Mm. Otherwise, but he he when he gets to this sacrifice thing, he he's really puzzled that why why this uh, obsession for sacrifices. Mm. So. For him, that was at least uh, somehow strange thing okay. too. Yeah, and so the and, Christians and probably he, exaggerated it. Yeah, exaggerated eagerness for sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and uh, one must of course mention here that Ammianus Marcellinus is not a hostile source. He, he's an admirer of Julian, so mm. um, so I think that's a sign for for this that in a way, <laughs> if 
it's almost like a caricature. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that Julian uh, gets this caricature of what's the really bloody paganism. Mm -hmm. And then he's like doing it. Okay. So I, I know this is really <laughs> I'm, I'm probably provocative. Yeah. Because then otherwise, of course, Julian is well informed of uh, Neoplatonism and so on. So, but this, this, I think is somehow, yeah. And he he's making he, he's making really an issue of this uh, uh, <clears throat> Christians and and uh, Hellenes this yeah. this uh, separation or dichotomy, and I think that's coming coming more likely from yeah. from the Christian side. Because mm -hmm. Julian, so Julian, um, how does he contribute to the 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 defining of Christians now? Because before. You have this. You no, know, there's no religion t for paganism. Do, how does Julian take Hellenism now? Now, um, like, what was Hellenism to Julian? Did he really conceive of it as a religion, or as like, how do we understand Julian's Julian's use of Hellenism? Uh, yes, I mean, for for Julian, it must have been a, a really a, like a totality. I mean, not only religion but culture literature, language, and so mm -hmm. on, but also religion. As um, for for other um, for other writers, it wasn't necessarily a very very religious thing. And I think that's that's the that's the Christian contribution there. And mm -hmm. Julian is like intensifying that <laughs> that thing there. Yeah. I think, yeah, because when we think of this um, uh, this invention of paganism as christian construct there were no pagans before christians yes jews and jews of course um and there was just this variety of uh practices beliefs uh cults gods and goddesses and yeah mm -hmm. very and and uh, regional differences yeah of course but yeah i mean these people called their things um uh cultus treskeia and so on uh, yeah. Mean, yeah yeah exactly so it's a very christian thing to think this that there is some uh con some some entity there yeah unique. and and then this this later informs academics right so yeah uh, how so the christians created the these labels and categories and as a consequence to that scholars and academics use that dichotomy and then put it into their research right yeah yeah and yeah and uh and then and i think it's really such thing that i when i'm thinking of myself um i'm like struggling with with these categories but that's what and makes it so yeah, much fun uh, to study yes it is it is that's that's the fun but sometimes it's yeah i mean but uh, the main point is <laughs> of course i can't get rid of those categories yeah i'm i'm embedded um they are no i'm not embedded those things are embedded in this culture so i have really mm -hmm. got to into that and i can't get rid of that but i can be really conscious of those and struggle and of course that's the thing to be really conscious of those mm -hmm. 
Is there anything about Christianization, uh, misunderstandings about Christianization that I that need to be addressed that you think uh, people who are interested in this topic of late antiquity, Christianization? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. One thing is that um, Christianization, like some other really big concepts <laughs> in history, like Reformation or Romanization. Uh, yeah, they are really misleading because they are really big concepts, and uh, we think that everything, like, we tend to think that things happened uh, linearly in linear mm -hmm. process or uh, the same pace everywhere, and so on. And then we think it's it's really, it's not monolithic. It's yeah, the... yeah, it's monolithic, and it's not straight away. And uh, yeah, and uh, yes, I'm I'm trying to find a nice nice phrase here, which mm -hmm. I which I took, which is uh, in the end of religious dis dissent in my book. Quote uh, James O'Donnell's excellent seminal article from 1979, where he said that uh, Christianity uh, well prevailed and uh, paganism survived. And then I just inverted into that, okay, uh, paganism prevailed and Christianity survived. And that's that's a provocation because I don't think that there are these entities like paganism or Christianity, uh, but that there is something else is going on. And uh, so uh, that's what I should I want to go call a regional religion uh, mm -hmm. or local religion, uh, which maybe tells us more adequately about uh, what is going on. So mm -hmm. there's no Christianity, there's no paganism. There's something else, which mm -hmm. is which is this local local things. So okay. I think that bringing the scale down. The local yes, level. exactly. Yeah. So we should go to the local level, not talk about Christianization or into paganism. Yeah. But thinking about uh, local religious thinking, uh, religious uh, practices, beliefs, and so on, developing like all the time. Yeah, and then like how they all interconnect yeah. in a network. Then yeah, yeah. Do you have uh, that also there in in like um in the background of your mind too? Like the network of how you have the local, so cities and provinces and regions yes. they're all doing, yes. and then how they yeah. connect through a network. You know, yes. yeah. trading yeah. and then influencing and yeah. So that's that's exactly. I think that's a really yeah. nice approach. I think. So in your work, you argue that Christian uh, polemic is more complicated than mere juxtaposition of the literary topai and real religious circumstances. Can you elaborate on the complexities of this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, uh, I started to think about the uh, my desperation <laughs> with the sources and uh, uh, the imagery uh, that I have called shadow of a shadow, meaning that there are so many barriers or um, barriers uh, for me in getting to the to the real people 
in late antiquity. And this desperation, whether I ever get to these people, um, because if we think of the, the sources, there are the Christian writers talking about pagans. And then I'm starting to think uh, whether they are real people or are they some kind of a, what we could, could call theological um, um, creations or theological phantoms, mm -hmm. even that they are not, they are, they are the creation of creations of the writers uh, and they want to use this imagery yeah. for, for other reasons than depicting any any real people they're involved so they want to uh for instance justice uh, their own congregation that uh look look you are you are even worse than pagans in that sense that and there probably were not any pagans there <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so this kind of thing yeah and then i'm start starting think uh then okay then in at some sermons for instance of augustine or ambrose and so on we know that there are real real pagans involved in for instance in some debates and so on uh, or in the audience or in letters and so on uh, and then um okay there are like historical pagans there but then of course there's the depiction coming from the christian writer and i i cannot know what's what's really going on and yeah. what it, it's hard to find the reality in the, in yes. the in the rhetoric and i think that's the yes. one of the important things when we read texts you know today a lot of people when they read the text they, they see it as being so ironclad look it's written there on paper this is it's it, this is history right here but it, but it's a it's mm -hmm. literary it's it's you know you have to really analyze it and understand who's writing it when was it written why was it written what's the biases what's the goals what's the what well, it, it's it's very rhetorical and so yes. it's not always yes. going to portray the truth of the matter but it's going to portray mm -hmm. what the author wants you to believe in yes 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 and and shape shape uh the reality the shape the reality for the audience for yeah. him for the writer himself and uh and so on so uh, yes, yeah. you have to really know the rhetoric and the rhetorical tricks and so on. And and then if I'm thinking of the next barrier, the next barrier is myself. I mean, it's then it's my interpretation and my 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 uh, modern prejudice, whatever prejudices I have. Okay, I'm conscious of those and so on. So so <laughs> so it's sometimes desperate work. Mm -hmm. it, it, well, it, it's what makes the the study so interesting. It's it's a yeah. puzzle. I, I look at late antiquity as a puzzle to be solved because, you know, it's one of the most influential uh, changes in history. A paradigm shift from you know polytheism, you know, all these gods and goddesses and traditions, and 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 a shift away from that and say, oh no, one god and everything else. These are demons, like. That is a very monumental change in 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 the the psyche of people. I think yes, and the repercussions yes. of that are, are are countless to name. So that's why I think late antiquity is so amazing to study because you get to really look at societal change in a long time period. Yes. You know, and I think that's 
time is also is a barrier to this question yeah. because there's so much there's so many centuries to kind of study and it kind of it, it it makes the study difficult right what in what way do you think time in all these centuries makes it hard to understand late antiquity oh yeah well of course it's this this distance and uh, because so much has really 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 happened and here yes that's one thing i wanted to mention also was that uh uh it, so much has happened, uh, for instance, when we are thinking of the Reformation period, then I think so many things changed after that, that uh, the Christians in the modern world think too much of, of this ancient Christianity on those terms mm -hmm. that, yeah, this post-Reformation Christianity terms. Yeah. The ancient Christianity was so, <laughs> so different and so it was so alien in, yeah. as well like 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 the ancient world in 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 general if like with if we think of this this uh worldview of um different spirits the world is just full of different spirits uh in different hierarchies and uh diamonds or demons yeah. if, if christians call them and uh and bigger and uh, smaller divinities and so mm -hmm. on. So, uh, and that was shared by everyone, whether yeah. Christian, Jew, or polytheist. So, yeah. yeah. So, and that's something that, um, like, um, uh, Christ Christian researchers today tend to forget. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a lot of common ground. Provoking. Yeah. Okay. And now the, the concepts of religio and super superstitio. Now, how does that come into play with Christianization and and the polemics? What what were the Christians arguing in 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 this context? Uh, yes, uh, religio. Yes, uh, the Latin term uh, in classical antiquity it it was uh, not only religion, but it was also like a duty and. Uh, this kind of a relational things mm -hmm. so yeah but it also meant religion and it also meant like the very much the religion of romans so religio yeah. romana the civic it's the civic religion mm -hmm. uh, which was done in the um, correct way of course uh, the romans talked about uh, uh, like foreign religions uh, also as religio they they uh, in that sense they were really uh, inclusive but um, very often uh, they used the roman classical writers and early imperial period writers uh, they um, used the term superstitio uh, which um, it's an interesting concept it doesn't always mean superstition in the in the negative way. Yeah. It can be mean a uh, personal religious belief. Okay. But uh, but it was used also in a very negative negative way, like somehow in a despising uh, other people's other other religions uh, or cults or practices or beliefs or yeah 
or like common people's yeah. beliefs and so on. So there is this despiseful aspect there. Uh, <clears throat> and um, the Christian writers, uh, the apologists, they adopt uh, these um, concepts uh, in the polemical works uh, and they um, cause there for them the right religion, religio, the, the, the correct and uh, the, the good religion is Christianity. Mm-hmm. But they are not inclusive in that way that um, there cannot be like other good, correct religiones, mm. uh, only Christianity. Okay. And then all other religions, cults, practices, beliefs become superstitiones. Okay. Superstitions. And so the Christians <clears throat> in, in, tried to do whatever they could to argue that they were correct. And they did a lot of debates and used their rhetoric, r- r- rhetorical skills to yes. persuade and convince people that they were correct. <clears throat> Yes, yes. And so I guess well what what happened to the 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 uh the pagans, the quote unquote the pagans? Why why couldn't they uh uh fight back with with rhetoric? The Greeks invented rhetoric. <laughs> what happened to them? They 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 didn't uh, really seem to be able to market and and convince people. Right, what 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 was the problem there with them? Um yeah, well that's that's a very good question. Um yeah, I mean um maybe the maybe pagans policies uh they they thought that they 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 are they are not like a, uh, they don't need to market sell their religion. Of course, of course, uh, like if we think of some individual cults, like the cults of Isis, or and so on. Of course, there was a marketplace where. Uh, that's a metaphor, of course. Uh, that there was a marketplace of religion, religions in in the imperial um, uh, Roman Empire and the cities and so on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. But but uh, maybe there was there was not this kind of uh, uh, mission than uh, in Christianity. So maybe that's something. It's not unique. I wouldn't yeah. say that Christianity is that sense unique, and then, um, and I think, and there's a lot of there are a lot of um, other researchers who think that we shouldn't uh, like deal with um, the early imperial era Christianity as something unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and and th- when we think of sources, uh, well. We have a lot of Christian sources that yeah. are extant, and less, mm. less uh, those uh, sources uh, that responded to these Christian claims. And now I want to just get a little speculative at the moment. I want to yeah. return to Julian. Do you, from what I'm understanding in your book, you mentioned how Julian kind of, I I don't mean to put words in your mouth, mm-hmm. but I, I want to paraphrase, I guess. I'm trying to remember what you said exactly. Yeah. It was about... Yeah. Julian, um, uh, he made the situation worse in the end for for the the polytheists because what he did, how harsh he was in terms of trying to let's say ban Christians from education and all the things that he was doing when he did die and the Christians came back into power, 
they they he they became more um uh zealous in their mission to have more control and to protect themselves is that what you wrote if i'm if i'm remembering correctly i'm trying to remember it was uh no um well uh more or less i don't remember i I have to see if i can find it but yes but i i was i i was i think i wrote that um julian um intensified this the whole uh the situation so that's what i think uh and of course christians uh in the reign of julian and after his reign they mm-hmm. got somehow to the defensive yeah, yeah they got and, very defensive so yeah. it, it can it, it, in that sense then his actions contributed to the, the the downfall of polytheism for example because up until the point with julian there was a lot more uh cohabitation coexistence there was a lot more kind of negotiation yeah, yeah and then yeah. after yeah. julian it was yeah. kind of like no we're not negotiating anymore you 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 guys the, you know thinking as a christian if the christians are thinking this way you guys if you get power you're going to eliminate us now so julian's actions kind of uh, helped to facilitate the the Christian polemic in the long run. So if Julian didn't exist, let's say, let's say Julian was more moderate or mild and he didn't try to kick the Christians out of schools, mm. maybe history would have played a little bit different. You know, there wouldn't be, uh, or or Christianization would have just been more uh, long drawn out. We, we will never know, but it does seem like Julian, uh, you know, didn't help in the long run. Yeah, 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 possibly. That that's that's possible. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when I was um, analyzing uh, the speeches of Themistius, mm-hmm. who is a really interesting yeah, person, like uh, yes, as uh, the Greek rhetorician, yeah. uh, who was polytheist himself, but he was working for the Christian emperors as the yeah. rhetorician, and yeah. And uh, he was advocating um, this uh, coexistence, and uh, and and it, I mean, for under certain emperors, it would have been probably completely possible. I mean, we could could yes, if we could just uh, imagine that there could have been Roman Empire with a. Uh, Okay, yeah. Christianity, perhaps uh, religion of some pem- emperors who supported it and uh, gave lavish donations and churches, blah blah, so on. But then there could have been uh, other emperors uh, who would have been supporting some other gods. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, quite possible. I mean, yeah. like, uh, earlier centuries. Yeah. yeah, history could have been different. It's interesting to think about that. And yeah. it, and Julian, yeah, Julian is just you know he he haunts the Christians for centuries later. Later, when you get to the end of the the Byzantine Empire and you have Plethon, his yes. Plethon's uh, major um, uh, opponent ca- said that he suffered from the same affliction that Julian suffered. So you know Julian, you know like a thousand years, eleven hundred years later, whatever it was that long, still is being you know invoked as you know this this ghost that haunts the christians and as a you know uh, a figure to look at and and be like you know this is this is bad this is a uh, dangerous person yeah 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 and i mean because he was he he i mean for the for the 
Christians, uh, for, for the Christian generations after him, he must have been a really, really um, intriguing, fascinating person. And yeah. I mean, think of all the stories about his death, so different yeah. versions and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Interesting. I, I do want to pick your brain. This we don't have to include this in the podcast. This is just I want to pick your brain on yeah. this. When I when I was approaching Christianization and late antique world, I was thinking in terms of how does identity play into this. So if you think about, let's say you're in you're in the the Eastern Roman Empire, you have uh, people with layered identities. You have you let's yeah. say you're 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 in Syria. You're a Syrian. You you're Hellenized with Greek. Yeah. yeah you're a Roman citizen, and then, you know, you have your local traditions, then you have, like, the Greek-Roman tr- cults around here, and then all of a sudden now Christianity comes in. So you yeah, have, like, you have, like, it's like an onion. Like, people are like onions. So, like, what is another layer on top? What does it mean to add Christianity when you have all these other layers? You're, you're, you're Greek culturally and by la- and your language, but you're also, you have your local identity, and stuff like that but then if you go to let's say mainland greece where mm-hmm. it seems like when i look at it it seems like places like athens uh mm-hmm. the peloponnese where sparta and everything over here they were more resistant to christianization mm-hmm. and yeah. do you think that's because they had a clearer understanding of their identity of like who they are as a people and what fits in and what doesn't fit into that identity yeah, that's a good Good question. Yeah. Yes, yes. This identity thing, this multiple identities is a really important question. And I, I really like this this onion uh yeah. comparison. Uh yes, because there there are different layers. And uh um yeah, and uh, I mean if you if I'm thinking about uh, these identities, um one should not like um just label a person into one group. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, one. It's, it's it's just too simple that 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 this is the representative of the Christians, or this is the pre- representative of the Nicene Christians, and yeah. so on. So that that's just too simplifying. I mean, one can just be in different groups and uh, and according to situations, uh, change groups or or not even change groups, just belong to several groups. And then there's, this, of course, this identity, um, this regional identity, uh, like Syriac, Syriac people who uh, belong to to some um, social uh, class or social group, like one, some someone belongs to the landowners, someone is, uh, is um, a city dweller, and and someone is a slave i mean that that is even more important uh, thing that really uh, identifies a person not necessarily always uh, the religion yeah the religious group yeah. or even ethnic group i mean yeah interesting i mean class class i mean class, class. is a modern yeah. concept but yeah, yeah social group yeah or yeah all right very good well i appreciate uh you coming on the podcast this was a great (laughs) conversation i was so happy to speak with you i really i i love your work uh do you have anything else coming out uh 
it could be published in the near future? Do you have, are you working on anything? Yes, uh, I'm. I'm working on uh, barbarians. So, oh, <laughs> nice. horrible, horrible concept. <laughs> yeah. So, Barbary. doing late and late antiquity. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, and then oh, I should yeah be writing it now. Uh, it's about um, northern barbarians as uh, religious others in okay. the Roman Empire. So it's oh, nice. mainly about Goths and Vandals and so on. Okay, cool. Yes, and but religion is there. Okay, cool. Well, good luck, and I look forward to reading that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. All right, all right. Take care. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. You too.